I would like to, to be very methodical and systematic, but I was supposed to start tonight in Romans chapter 4. I want to go back to chapter 1. I felt the Holy Spirit impressing me to go to chapter 1 and start to read from verse 16. And I'm going to read it because the, the objective is to show you what real faith is and what real faith is about. So often, as I've said, we practice, I think I said, suffering evasion and suffering avoidance, but we also live a life that would evade faith. It would evade faith because we have somewhat, in America, we have an Americanized view of God, the church, and faith. And it is not a biblical view. Now, there are other nations that have the same thing, but I'm not speaking to them right now. I'm speaking to us. Now, if you're online, then you may see some of this also in your nation. So, but I want to say that, that the, if you want to upend something, destroy it, what you do is you bring the world into it. You bring worldliness into it. And we have been, if I may be very bold, we have been victimized by worldliness. And so even sometimes our good thinking is really worldly. It's sort of, and we say, well, there's some good things in the world. Well, I doubt it. Now, I say that very, very, very candidly because what I'm saying is if there's something good in the world, it came from God. It came from the people of God, and the world may have taken it as, as one of their positions. But otherwise, there's nothing good there. There's nothing good there, and there's nothing that we can take to heaven from there. And I'm speaking of the world system. I'm not speaking of apples and oranges and good vegetables, you know. I'm not speaking of that. But I'm talking about the world system, that, that system that Satan uses to oppose God. All right? There's absolutely nothing there. So let's re read about uh, uh, faith here, and I'm going to just read it, and hopefully I'll have some time to expound on uh, Romans chapter 4. I don't want to just go through it uh, just to say I've finished it. I want you to grasp it. So we're going to go back. You remember those old movies that we would watch years ago? I don't see, I don't know if we have many of them now, but they'll start and then they'll, they'll, and they'll go back and show you something that happened before the scene that you just vi uh, visited or viewed. You know, some young people look at me, what are you talking about? Yes, yes, it's called a flashback, but there's another word for it. It's something, something wrecks, uh, you know. So I, if my wife were here, she would tell me what it is. But anyway, so let's look at that. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and let's read it as somewhat quickly. And if you wave at me, I'll slow down, okay? If somebody, if you do that, I'll slow down. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Okay? The gospel is power. It's power of salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first, that's very important, and priority. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. It's, it's only, the only place where the, where the righteousness of God is revealed is in the gospel and in gospel people. All right? Um, so it's from faith. Now he's, he's talking about this again. From faith to faith or from faith for faith. 
So that means that one has to begin with faith and continue in it. He says, as it is written, and oftentimes the Bible will refer to as it is written. It will say, as it is written. And what that means is, what is written can't be unwritten. When God, God writes it, it's there forever. And it's there for us and for our edification. That is, our building up, our strengthening. So the gospel is for our strengthening, not just for our enjoyment. Let's look at it. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, that's very important, the just. The justified people shall live by faith, or we could say the righteous shall live by faith because when you are justified before God, he declares you righteous. And that's like God making a judicial decision, you are righteous because you have met my standard. You have met my standard. And his standard is not more work. Now, I'm not speaking of work as in get a job. If you're here today and you hate that kind of work, you need to like it and get to it. But we're talking about working to gain God's approval. I've done all these things for God. No, the just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Okay, let's look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, not some of it, and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. And so what Paul is saying here is that every, any and every unrighteous act is a truth suppressant. It is a truth suppressant. The truth can't get out because of that. So that's why all of us should be directed toward God by the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, then you and I must always be leaning in toward God because all unrighteousness is sin. Let's look at it. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Listen, didn't glorify him, uh, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, empty in their thoughts, um, non-producers in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened as a result of their willfulness and stubbornness. That's, what, that's how men have, have become. And so this is what God wants us to know. Now, let me go on. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. That's when you see all these false gods and idols. They're not harmless things. They're, they're, they're evil. They're the result of man's sin and ignorance. Now, you say, why? That was a long time ago. No, it was on your television today. It's not a long time ago. It was in your neighborhood today. There were, there were messages sent to you that you need to be accepting of all of this worldliness and this sinfulness or you are the problem. It's been bombarding your mind. Now listen. Therefore, so what did God do as a result of that? Therefore, God also gave them up. And that's a very important phrase, gave them up, gave them over, gave them up, to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So they insisted on wrong and evil. So God just said, okay. And I remember, I never shall forget, uh, this message that came in this pulpit from Pastor Joel 
saying that the judgment of God is God finally just giving you what you want. And, and boy, that, that was chilling to me. And, and you know people like that. You, you know some of them. Some of them may be your relatives. And such were some of us. You know, yes, in our, in our times past. Because we wanted something, wanted something. When you got it, it was totally bitter and not so sweet and wonderful. So, so he says, God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts. What are they, they? To dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchange the truth of God for the lie. The lie. I can live God without my. I can live life without God. I can. I can direct my my own life. I can be my own man, my own boss. That's the lie. All right. And you know somebody like that. And they worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, because they uh, wor uh, worship the creature, the creation, rather than the Creator. They they worship the things that were made rather than the maker of things. And you know someone like that. And so God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And here God is talking about homosexuality, but he is not going to just talk about homosexuality like a lot of Christians do. Yeah. He's going to also talk about heterosexual sins as well. And so God hates them both. Yes, right? So we're going to find that out. But now remember we started out saying the just shall live by faith. If you don't live by faith, then the world will shape you into its mold. It's, it's, it's an imperative. The just shall live by faith. It's an imperative. So every day I wake up, I must live by faith. And God has done a really good job of making sure I live by faith. So it doesn't matter how much I seek God. It doesn't matter how much I fast and pray. I still wake up the next day and have to live life just like everybody else. That's amazing. So he makes sure that we live by faith. Now, now this is, is, is so beautiful. Let's keep reading. Mm. Okay, and, um, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, a debased mind, a very low mind, a, a, a mind that was unfruitful, a mind that uh, did not and could not receive the things of God, to do those things which are not fitting, that debased mind, uh, being filled with all unrighteousness, listen, uh, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And so what God shows us, yes, he is so adamantly opposed to homosexuality, but, he is, but he's also dealing with all of these uh, heterosexual sins as well. And so he dealt with all of those as well. So when, when uh, and Paul talks about this later, when uh, the Jews were pointing their fingers at Gentiles who were sinning, and they were doing some of the same things. So, so this is what God is saying, not just to Jews and Gentiles. In this, uh, these, these lessons of Romans, yes, he is talking about them, 
specifically, but it, it has relevance in all of our lives. And it especially has relevance today and uh, this day in which we live. So w- you and I, if we're going to please God, we cannot live a life of compromise. Th- this is a review, all right? I felt the Holy Spirit say, give a review, and I'm going to hopefully get done with it. Okay, and um, so, okay, it says, who, these people who do these things, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. And this is very important. That's very emphatic. They are deserving of death. That is eternal death. Not just to die bodily and then get up and go to heaven. No, no but eternal death. It says, because these things are, di- are diametrically opposed to God. So those, all those things that we enumerated, I think 22 of them, they are diametrically opposed to God. And uh, so he says, uh, they, they, uh, they are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So God wants to, to take the church out of the arena of approving things because it's legal. God wants to, to and so, well, it's legal, but is it moral? Is it eagle, is, is, it's legal, but is it kind? It's legal, but is it thoughtful? It's legal, but is it godly? And so that is our standard. Our standard is not the legalities of our nation. Our standard is the word of God. Amen. All right? And uh, it, it, it doesn't feel good when you're isolated. And some of us may never felt isolated, but in the days to come, if you follow God, you will be isolated. Uh, yes. Okay. We still good? Let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And, and he is really dealing with um, uh, the Jewish uh, people at this juncture, too. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Do you despise, look down on the the riches of his goodness, the the riches of his forbearance, the riches of his long-suffering? Yeah? So not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. And so what he's saying is when God is good to you, God's not slack. God's not saying, that's okay, baby. You're so cute. You're so wonderful. I'm going to let you get by with that sin. You know, I'm going to punish everybody else. No, God is not saying that. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. That's what it's for. And, and God's forbearing and his long suffering with us is to woo us. Okay, I'm, I'm being kind to you because I want you to be better. So some of our behavior is not right before God and what God is doing in, in this particular moment in time in history, in our salvific history, is God is now bringing each of us individually and collectively to task. Okay. Uh, anybody want to tell a joke right now? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So where are we? Where am I? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent, <clears throat> your impenitent heart, and uh, when we talk about the, the in, impenitent heart, we're talking about a heart that doesn't repent. You are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. 
Now, now he says, you are treasuring up. In other words, you are storing up for yourself wrath. Wow. So that's why God is giving us an opportunity through goodness and, and through his forbearance. He is giving us an opportunity to repent. And so he says, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. So this is what you and I want to do. Now, we're not going to, uh, doing good works don't save us, but because we're saved, we will do good works. Amen. And now, if it's a little warm in the place here, let's do something about that, okay? I see several people fanning, so let's do something about the heat in the place. Thank you so much. So, um, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. And we talk about glory, we're talking about the splendor of God being manifested in our lives, being manifested in our lives, and expressed through our lives and our deeds, through our conduct. All right? And so, eternal life for those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth... But obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, and, glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good. So God says glory, honor, and peace uh, to everyone who works good, what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. And so what the Lord wants us to know is that God heaps upon us the glory of God, which means that as we continue walking with God, we look more like Jesus every day. That is God's goal, that you and I would look more like Jesus every day. So this is what he wants. And that is the glory that is upon you. You, a mortal, born of a woman, as I said, a man born of a woman, you're born of a woman, you're born naturally, but now you are walking like the Son of God. That's what God's desire is. We must walk like the Son of God. No, we are not the Son of God. The unique Son of God is Jesus Christ, but we are sons of God. Yes, we are sons of God. Now, that's, I'm going to just use this word mind-blowing because even now in our humanity, we, are, we have been born again. The world can't see it. We can't always see it physically, but we have been born again of the Spirit of God, and now we are Spirit beings who inhabit a body and we have a soul. That is, whoa, whoa. So we are born of God. We are born of God. We are God's little children in the earth looking like the devil's children, but we're not the devil's children. All right. All right. No part, for there is no partiality with God. What that means is God's not going to say, you're so cute, I'm just going to let you come in. Okay, he made you, he's not impressed with all that. Verse 12 says, for as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God. But the doers of the law will be justified. Now, now this is what he's saying. But the doers of the law. So what he's saying here is not that you can keep the law and be justified. What he's saying is that God declares you righteous. And as a result of the declaration of righteousness that you have exhibited by faith in Jesus Christ, then now you are able to do those righteous things. Did, did I make that plain? Okay. So what he's saying is that you, can, you can't do the law without the, the, the Spirit of God. Nobody ever kept the law. Jesus is the first and only man who kept every jot and tittle of the law. 
the only one. Nobody else could. And as I've said in the previous message, that even if you were, by some stretch of the imagination, be able to keep the law from this moment forward, what are you going to do about all the stuff in the past? You can't, you can't go back and undo it. So that means the just shall live by faith. It's by faith. And when you come to God in faith, simply like saying something like from the heart, not just from the mouth, from the head, but from the heart, God, Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died on the cross for me. And, and I receive him as my Lord and as my Savior. God said, that's just. That's what I'm looking for. Wow. And he declares you righteous. You meet my approval. You receive my son. And now my son lives in you and walks in you. And he, he, he works out himself in you through your deeds. Wow. That's amazing. This is what God is doing for us. I wanted to bring us back to speed. I felt like I needed to reach back. But I didn't feel like before the Holy Spirit told me to do it. So, so he goes down to say... Um, For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, um, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. And I used to read that as a young man, a young boy, and it would frighten me. Are you telling me? That every secret thing? Ooh, Lord. You know, but this is what I believe. I believe that for those of us who are declared just, there's no memory of that. That you and I, you and I will not, at the judgment seat of Christ, be judged for every little sin we do. No, because the cross, that's a, at the judgment seat of Christ. Did I say that? Okay, super. Yeah, the judgment seat of Christ, we will not be judged for that because our sin have already been dealt with. Our sins have been dealt with at the cross. Already, the cross has dealt with our sins. And so at the judgment seat of Christ, I, I found it now, in, uh, not just in Keith Lamb's conversation, but I found it in the scriptures that, that at the judgment seat of Christ, then you, you and I will be judged for our usefulness or our uselessness but not our sins have been dealt with by the cross of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So, now, okay, verse, I think, 17? Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law, and, and rest on the law, rely on the law, and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things which, that are excellent, being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. And I want to just say just briefly that this is where I believe there's something that God is bringing us into is to being a clear picture 
of God, being a clear picture of Christ, and not being one where the name of Jesus, the name of God, uh, is blasphemed because of our poor deportment, our conduct, all right, our conduct. And let me just say this, and I'll move on somewhat quickly, that, I, you know, during the election season, Christians sometimes, I'm just going to say this and you forgive me, uh, please don't, don't leave the church, but some Christians act the biggest fools on Facebook. And so. I, I said it, so I guess I can't take it back now. But they do. They're the biggest fools. And, and I'm, I'm just saying, that's, that's what Paul is saying to the Jews. Man, your, your conduct, you're supposed to be, the, you, you, you have the law, you're the keepers of the oracles of God. Come on, can you imagine that God has sayings and you are the keepers of those sayings? You've got that. And then you do this crazy stuff. And so people, is that God? Well, I don't want it. And that's what, they, that's what the church has done. And it's, just, it's especially seen during election seasons. And people just big and bodacious, man. You remember that bull, bodacious, nobody could ride him? I don't think anybody wrote him. Maybe they have finally written him. But that bodacious bull. And you know, we're just bodacious, man. We're just bold with our, our craziness. And, and that's what Paul is talking about. And this is what God is talking about. And I believe that God is going to judge this in various ways uh, in our lifetime. You will see it. And you and I can't point the finger because we'll be afraid to. Because, we, because, because perhaps we're guilty in some point. So then he goes on to deal with the Jews about circumcision. Now, we're talking about the just shall live by faith. Because in chapter 4, he's dealing with Abraham and his faith. Okay, verse 25 says, For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law, but, you are a, but if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. And this was, as I said earlier uh, in one of the previous messages, this was revolutionary. This, this message was revolutionary. This message was going to get you in, in trouble with, with, with everybody. You know, you know, Paul talks about it, man. I'm in trouble with my own countrymen. I can't go, I can't go hey, buddy, hey, brother. You know, you know, they're ready to kill me too. And if I go to the enemy, they don't like me. And so, shh, he said, well, let me go to the country. They're trying to kill me in the country. Well, let me go to the city. They're trying to kill me in the city. Well, let me just go to the sea, and I'm trying to, they're trying to drown me. The demons are. That's what this will get you in some trouble. So I'm just, I'm, I want to talk about faith because I absolutely love you. I mean, now whenever I say that to old Siri when I'm typing my stuff, I say, I absolutely, to my, like, redundant. I think it's grammarly. Take that out. I said, no, I want to say absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna, you're not Mrs. Rutledge. <laughs> yeah, so, so, okay, help me. Where am I now? 26? Yeah, verse 26, therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not, this is very important, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. He is not a Christian who is one outwardly. He's not a Jew who's one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart 
in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And so he says, true circumcision has nothing to do with what men think, it's what God thinks. And this is what he dealt with the Judaizers, uh, the Judaizers in Galatians, they were, they were, were boasting in how many people they had gotten circumcised, how many Gentiles were circumcised. Man, we got 15 circumcised the other day. He said, boy, it has nothing to do with, with men. This has to do with God. Because if God doesn't circumcise your, your wicked heart, it, you're the same. And, and when you and I come to Jesus Christ, if God doesn't change our hearts, we're the same. The only difference is we go to church now. This is a faith walk. Totally convinced of it, a faith walk. Because I, have, I too have practiced faith, uh, uh, suffering avoidance. You know, you know, and I didn't want to go through things because it was requiring faith. And sometimes I felt weak in faith and I wanted to give me a life where I didn't have faith. But how is that if I'm a saved person? Because the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. That's what God is calling us to. All right. All right. You have to help me here because I, I keep, uh, I kind of get mixed up here. Where am I? Which verse? Three one, thank you so much, Terry. I'm the preacher, and I got to ask you now, students. Where was I? Okay, verse three, chapter three. What advantage then has a Jew? And, and one of the reasons I wanted to recap, I I, I had thought about recapping, but I wasn't going to recap until the Holy Spirit told me to recap. But I, it was because I wanted to clarify, uh, in case I was not clear. Uh, in chapter 3, when he says, what advantage then has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? You know, when I talked about God uh, uh, showing the Jews that they were as guilty as the Gentiles in obeying God or disobeying God, they were just like them. They were all on the same level. I didn't want us to think that, that then being a Jew has no value. And I thought, maybe I wasn't as clear as I should have been, so I wanted to come back, but I didn't know it would be tonight. Okay, let's look at it. Paul says, what advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way. Chiefly, chiefly, and this is very important, because to them were committed the oracles of God. <laughs> if for no other reason, man, he said, these dudes, okay, excuse that expression. But these dudes had the oracles of God. I mean, everybody else were Gentile, and they called us, us Gentile dogs. Can you believe that? But, but they had the oracles of God. They were the keepers of the oracles of God. Everybody else had to make up their own script, but they had the script from God. And that's the scriptures, right? And so it says chiefly, hey, man, they had the oracles of God. That's big. I mean, I know you, you, you brothers and sisters are looking at me, but that's some big stuff. That yeah. you're the people group that God talked to. Yeah. That's right. And so we're a people group that God talks to. Yes, we are. Circumcised in heart. New creation. Going from above. God is our dad. Jerusalem is our mother. The Jerusalem above, not the one over in the Middle East. This is big stuff. And God wants us to understand as he's brought us into something, all right? Thank you, Jesus. What, then he, then he asked a question, and this is where I wanted to bring clarification in case. 
For what if some did not believe? And some did not believe. So he said, what if? You ever have a, a conversation, maybe an argument with a friend or, or somebody, maybe even a, a beloved spouse, I don't know. And they, they say, well, what if? You know, that's a beautiful point. What if some did not believe? Well, what if I did that? It didn't change my love for you, you know. <laughs> what if some do not believe? Will their, now listen, will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? You know what the answer is? No way. Wow. Paul, this is so amazing. This, this book is so amazing. We need to really view it and understand what God has done for us and given to us. We are the people of God. Not a people of God, the people of God. We are a people group. Born of the Spirit of God. Born of the Spirit of God. We're the only people. The Jews at one juncture were the only people who had the sayings of God. They, had, they, had, they were the treasury for the sayings of God. But we now, we now are, have joined in that. We have the sayings of God and we have the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit now resides in us, expressing himself through us in this world. Wow. This is big, man. This is big, isn't it? Thank you for the faith, Jesus. Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words, you God, and may overcome when you are judged. Paul digresses by saying, but if our righteousness demonstrates, if our unrighteousness, if our unrighteousness, our not righteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? If our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what are we going to say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? He says, I speak as a man. Certainly not. And it's his second, certainly not. Certainly not. And so, so the Jews were having some issues um, because they, they sort of misunderstood, not sort of, they misunderstood, many of them misunderstood what God had given them, and they misunderstood uh, their roles and responsibilities in the world. They were to be a kingdom of priests uh, and to take this amazing knowledge to the whole world. Uh, if I may say, they failed. That, uh, but Jesus being uh, born a Jew, uh, Jesus has, has and is succeeding through his body. You know, he's, he's succeeding through his body. So this is big stuff again. We have to understand what we have. We have to understand what God has done. This is not just, oh, let me get out, you know, at, by 8.30 so that I can go home and watch a little, little news. It's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Wow. So he says, so, so he says it's God unjust who inflicts wrath. And Paul says, I speak as a man. Surely not. You know, I, I love the way he does that. And he, he sort of clarifies, you know, himself and how he's feeling and, and how sometimes he maybe will um, di digress a bit or, you know, he'll use a, a word. It's, it's, it's a, like something called a diminutive where you use a, a less powerful word so that everybody will be able to grasp it or take the thought from this high realm and bring it down to the earth so that everybody can get it. And so this is what he does sometimes. Um, then he says if God uh, would be unjust... How then shall he judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also judged as a sinner? And why not say 
Let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, he said, their condemnation is just. Then he goes, he concludes this section by saying, all have sinned. And this is what he says. For then, are we better than they? Not at all. Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. So, so the Gentiles were under sin and the, 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 the Jews were under sin. So listen to what he says. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Listen, this is a terrible indictment, right? Truthful, but wow. Their throat is an open tomb. In a, can, you, can you imagine walking by a, a graveyard and seeing people, just dead people out there? You, I, mean, I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, you know, I mean, the dead can't hurt me. You know, and I remember as a little boy, I said, my mom sent me to go to her brother's to take something to, to Uncle John. And so um, I, I, it was pitch black outside. Man, I knew I couldn't be disobedient, but I couldn't go over to Uncle John's house. So what I did was I closed the door outside and I just stood on the porch. I remember it vividly and I was there. And I guess I must have made some noise. And she looked and I said, have you gone to, to, to brother's house? I said, no, ma'am. She said, why not? <laughs> My mom wasn't afraid of anything. <laughs> she said, why not? I said, I don't know, mother. D dead people. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, boy, dead people aren't going to bother you. It's the living got to be worried about. And I was more terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine... Can you imagine walking and seeing people in coffins? No. This is what Paul is saying. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. He said, now... We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that, listen, every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, listen, this is to, to a Jewish audience, it's revolutionary. By the deeds of the law, will no flesh will be justified in his sight. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Listen, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law did not come to save anybody. And there are some brothers I know around this city and other cities, they think that we have to keep the law. No, Jesus has kept the law. And so the law has been kept for us. And so now the just shall live by faith, not by the law. Because the, by the law comes wrath. By the law, there's the knowledge of sin. The law says, you're wrong. You're wrong. You've done wrong, 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 wrong. So you have to live in this place of condemnation. I'm almost done, okay? Okay. Let's look at 21. But now, but now, right? At this moment, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Not just on all, but on all who believe. Now, he says here that the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. 
Now, what comes to my mind is Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. You have Moses and Elijah come in there to talk to him about his exodus or his decease. And they're talking, it says, being witnessed by the law. The righteousness of God was being witnessed by the law and by the prophets. And though in Elijah and Moses. Wow. They came and talking to him. And here's Jesus, man, he's glorified. He's not just like one of them. He's glorified. You know, you never, the scripture doesn't say, and Moses' face shined, you know, like it did on Mount Sinai. No, no, no. Because Jesus now was the, was the center of attention. And they came to talk to Jesus because what? The righteousness of God was being revealed and the law and the prophets were agreeing and bowing to it. That's what I say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He says, even the righteousness of God through faith in whom? Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. There's no difference Jews and Gentiles. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Don't stop saying all have sinned and have fallen. That is not what the Bible says. It says all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, a propitiation, like a mercy seat, uh, a, a place for, where, where God's justice, his righteousness is satisfied. By, as a, Jesus is set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So God didn't judge them at that juncture. He judged them at the cross. That is so powerful that God did to demonstrate this present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier. Where did I go? So that he might be just and the justifier of the ones who has faith in Jesus, thank you so much for helping me there. Let me just finish this last paragraph, all right? And we'll be done here. Uh, where is boasting then? Do you think that Paul's done a good job of explaining? I think he's done a very, very super job of explaining. But then I want us to do a great job of living it out. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works. Now notice, he says boasting is excluded. And so the chapter 4, he's going to talk about Abraham. If, if Abraham was justified by works... He had something to boast about, but not before God. Yeah. All right? So I brought you up, and you're going to be ready for chapter 4 when I get there next time. Therefore, uh, where, is, where is boasting then? Is it excluded? By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart, apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So it's a faith walk for Jews and Gentiles. Do we then make void the law through faith? Mm, certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Well, Thank you, Father, for this word. Sure appreciate it. Appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen.